listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon Damer, along with Nicole and Kyrie and Joel, we're here till midnight on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Gordon. Larry, what's going on, my man? What's happening, partner? Not uh, not a whole lot different. <laughs> a lot of the same, Larry, not going to lie. The day after the birthday party. What's it like at the Damer household today? A little champagne, little, little you know, still still partying no, a little no bit. No, no champagne today. Everybody was um you know, today was a little bit of a mental health day for the kids. You know, I brought it was my fault because oh. last night at dinner we we're having a conversation about, you know, the state of the world, but trying to keep it, you know, kid friendly. Okay. And I said to them, I said, are you at the state now? If you had two buttons in front of you, A, you could go back to school tomorrow and mm-hmm. everything gets back to normal. Or do you like having, you know, wake up, you don't have to get dressed, you do your schoolwork in your pajamas. And my daughter automatically said, I want to get back to school. I miss my friends, this know. and that. My son said, nah, this is fantastic. But unfortunately, I think that put the little colonel in his head about the fact that he's not seen his friends. He's not been around school. He misses some of his teachers. And then today he was uh, he was not the best today. He had uh, a little bit of a rough day. But mm. we talked through it. We, uh, you know, did the best we could. And he's off sleeping right now. So hopefully tomorrow will be a better day. Okay. I was just curious now. Did, did you ask them or did they ask you? Which is which? No, I ask them. I like to always like provide a thought-provoking question at dinner time to get you know their thoughts on the world and their thoughts on subjects. Uh, That one probably went a little too far. I probably shouldn't have thrown that one out there in in hindsight. But no, but it's good. No, I think you live and you learn. Yeah, I think you should look. When they they told me when I first became a dad, oh, way back when Lincoln did the Gettysburg Address, (laughs) that there's no handbook for this. (laughs) It's trial and error. Right. And and as long as you have communication, Gordon, that's the best way to go. Yeah, so well, they we communicated with you. So that's yeah, a good we thing. talked through it, and uh, we got you know we went out of the house a little bit today just for a drive. Oh. We just drove around the streets, uh, and uh, you know took a look at some places and things, and we got to be you know we were able to drive close enough, high up enough, so we could see a little shot you know the skyline of the city and stuff like that. So that made them feel a little bit more. You know, getting back to normal, something fun to look forward to because, you know, with the weather being the way it is right now, you really can't get outside. You can't go mm-hmm. anywhere, obviously, but you can't even, you know, really be on your property when it's 45 degrees and windy out. <laughs> so, uh, you know, outside of a walk for the dog, it's been a little, you know, everybody's been a little bit cooped up the last few days. So, like, I'm sure a lot of people are feeling that right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. No doubt about this. It's good. To, it, it had to be good for them to get out just to just to know that things are still there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Listen to the radio a little bit, you know, have something that's a little, you know, it, it almost, fe- I, I got to be honest, I haven't driven a car in probably 10 days. It felt a little weird driving a wow. car again. Yeah. You know, I have not been driving that much lately. So uh, maybe I did take a trip out once or to get, pick up something, but mm-hmm. very rarely have I been driving the car. So it's been very, you know, it's, a, it's been a weird experience, but. Now, now, how has that been for you guys? Are, are, have you guys now got comfortable or are you like ready to go to your separate corners now and just like 
Just well, we, you know, we have we have parts of the day where everybody kind of goes off into their separate things. My son's mm-hmm. got his video games. My daughter's got her artwork and her presents for her birthday. My wife's got the TV that's constantly on Bravo. Apparently, he has no other channel on that TV but the Bravo network. <laughs> and then I have the man cave downstairs, and we all kind of, you know, on the course of the day, you know, we'll do little things together, but we all have our separate quarters that we can kind of go into and kind of separate for a little bit. And then before the end of the day, before everybody goes off to bed, we get together for a little bit of family time. So mm-hmm. that seems to have worked most days. But, you know, as you said, Larry, there's no blueprint and nope. uh, there's no perfect uh, script. So nope. hopefully tomorrow is a bit of a better day. It's a week from today, Gordon. It's the NFL Draft, which you can hear right here on 98.7 ESPN. As a matter of fact, it's uh, rounds one, two, and three on Thursday and Friday. And so, Gordon, I was just thinking today, and I was wondering, with all this conversation about what happens with running backs, right? And we had that conversation mm-hmm. kind of last night where people would say, oh, look, look how much money Christian McCaffrey got. And when you look at that, it's like, that's a lot of money for a running back. And, and you hear the battle of... Uh, uh, is the NFL devaluing the running back and how important is the running back? And we kind of talked about the running game and how Saquon Barkley was affected with the difference in quarterback that when you look at the Giants, that they were, they used him more frequently when Eli Manning was the quarterback than they did with Daniel Jones, which is kind of interesting to me because normally, Gordon, and I think you'll agree, when you have a young quarterback, what you normally do is you rely on the running game a little bit, even if it's not just the conventional running game, whether you're lining your running back in the slot or you're playing the toss action or whatever it is, your running back and tight end are usually your friendly guys. But even with the suspect offensive line, uh, Daniel Jones was able to get the ball down the field. So that really affected the the kind of usage that Saquon Barkley got. As a matter of fact, I remember hearing on numerous occasions, people like <laughs> – why he would have X amount of carries like in the first half, Gordon, and then he would disappear yep. off the face of the earth like he was never Absolutely. there. And then you yep. go by the Jets and you saw the situation with Le'Veon Bell. And then, Gordon, you look at the postseason and you look at what Derrick Henry meant to Tennessee. I mean, look, you know who your quarterback was <laughs> in, in Miami, and you see what he's been able to do in Tennessee. And he was there. He always showed you. He always showed you flashes, but the whole thing was with him. Gordon was his health. So he was never healthy long enough to get into a rhythm. But you see him getting into rhythm. You see what Derrick Henry has meant to the, to the Tennessee Titans. So I wanted to discuss with the audience today at 1-800-919-3776 and also via Twitter at the handles I mentioned earlier at Gordon Damer, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore seven FM. Give me your top five running backs right now. Not, not, not career, because that's a whole other subject, which we might delve into in a couple of days. But I'm just curious, this season, who are your top five running backs? Gordon, I'll start with you. Me, I, I had trouble with the fifth position, and I'll explain why when I tell you my five. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I feel like the first four are pretty much cut and dry, and you can kind of, you can kind of go any which way, you know, like you might think that the third guy is the first guy, I might have the fourth guy is the second guy, but I think the four, the four, the top four to me, going into next season would be some combination of Zeke, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon, and Alvin Kamara. Those four mm-hmm. guys, if you gave me you know, one of those four guys or everybody else, I'd take one of those four guys. The mm-hmm. fifth one, I would agree with you. I could kind of go a bunch of different ways. For me, I probably would go Dalvin Cook, but I could understand Derrick Henry. 
Nick Chubb had an unbelievable year last year as well. Maybe he's going to, you know, it took him a little while to get going, and then when he did, he was at lights out. So that fifth position, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I could go a bunch of different directions there. But I think the top four are kind of the top four, and, and they're pretty much set. Yeah, I'm with you there. And and here's here was my um, issue with uh, number five. Okay. And, and I did put Kamara in there. But here's my thing. I... I I wanted to put Le'Veon Bell there, Gordon, and I couldn't put him there, and it's not really his fault that I couldn't put him there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he came yeah. in he came in with the reputation, of course, having a year off, but he came in with the reputation of being one of the top two or three backs in the NFL because of his versatility, because of how he was used in Pittsburgh. Obviously, the Pittsburgh offensive line was better. But just, as, you know, I wanted to see, and I expected more from him, and so a combination of, how he was used, and I'm not sure of Rust versus, you know, his talent skills. Um, I'm just not sure. So while I wanted to put him in there because of his previous, you know, his, his previous resume, mm-hmm. kind of like, kind of like what you do with, with the All-Star game. Well, this year wasn't great, but you know, we'll put him in anyway because he, he's been an All-Star before. So we give him the benefit of the doubt. But I can't give him the benefit of that. I really want to see what he's able to do. He showed he showed flashes on a couple of plays, Gordon. But but I I really I really need to see more from him. Um, the Kamara Chubb thing was tough for me. Mm-hmm. You know I, I you know because Chubb, you know he really he had an outstanding year last year, well, almost fifteen hundred yards. Yeah. Um, with that offense, you know, with the problems that offense had. But no, I agree with you. Ezekiel Elliott, and I had Derrick Henry, and Henry moved up because of what he did in the postseason. And I'm going to yeah, be honest I with you, Gordon. I'm, yep. I'm a, I'm a guy who I value what people do when the light shines brightest. You know what I mean? That that yeah, means a lot to me. Yeah, he was a, a one man wrecking crew. I mean, he, I mean, he, well, he, he was, was. Uh, he was fantastic last year, and uh, really could. I, I'm not, I don't think he was all pro last year. I think it was Christian McCaffrey who was all pro, but certainly had that kind of year last year that he was fantastic. Um, but what you really see about when you when you talk about these backs a lot of times, and especially with the Le'Veon Bell thing, mm-hmm. and why the position has been kind of um, deemed kind of not as important as it has been in the past by the NFL, is because so much depends on the situation, right? Yeah. Like I'm not even talking about Le'Veon Bell and Adam Gase's relationship and Gase's uh, you know usage of Bell. But even if he used them more often, I mean, he was playing behind a terrible offensive line. He was not, you know, there were games where he was playing with without Sam Darnold as the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it was an offense that really couldn't go anywhere. So really asking Lev Bell and why it was a mistake to spend all that money in that area from the moment they did it, um, you can see why you can't consider him what, and it's not necessarily his fault, although maybe part of it is. He is 28. He's a little bit older, but he was playing a terrible offense last year with a terrible offensive line, and he's not going to be able, you know, it's all well and good to be patient behind the Steelers offensive line because they mm-hmm. will eventually open a hole for you. He couldn't afford to be patient behind the Jets offensive line because the, the, the hole wasn't there to begin with, and it wasn't going to pop open later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it was, I can understand. I don't think that he's a, if you're listing the top five backs right now, there's no way you can say that Livion Bell is in that top five. Yeah, it, it's real tough. You know, even if you want to try to give him the benefit of the doubt, he just hasn't shown it. Now this year, 
Gordon, a little better offensive line. Your, your quarterback, your starting quarterback, whenever they start, if he's healthy, you know, it's going to be a little different. More familiarity with the offense, we'll check and see. But, you know, going into the season, it, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who. And I, I really enjoyed Saquon Barkley in year one. Gordon, I got to tell you, he looked a little different last year. And I know some of it was usage. Uh, there were times when he had some great plays, and he's still a guy that can score from anywhere on the field. He can break a game, and his legs are like tree trunks. So you know what he's able to do. But still, I, I'm torn between him and Ezekiel Elliott as far as, you know, the top two or three running backs. As you mentioned, you could put them in any order. But that mm-hmm. top two or three running backs, I'm, I'm still a little, I'm a little torn between the two of them. I think actually that Saquon, has proven, Gordon, to me that his hands are a little bit better than Ezekiel Elliott, but I like how Ezekiel Elliott is able to, to, you know, to run. And once again, Gordon, he has a pretty good offensive line in Dallas. Yeah. And Saquon certainly does not. I, you know, I chalk up a lot of Saquon's struggles last night, last year to the injury, right? Mm-hmm. He, he suffers the injury in, I think it was late September, and then he doesn't come back until late October. And even when he came back, it was pretty clear he was kind of still dealing with the injury. He had that game against the Jets where I think he had like one or two yards. And with yeah. all due respect to the Jets' defense, which did play well at times last year, there's no way that that defense, even behind the Giants' offensive line, that Saquon Barkley should be held to one yard in or two yards in the course of a game. So I, I would chalk that up. I think at the end of the season he was a little bit more like himself. He had that big game. In the Washington game, uh, the second or third week to the end of the season, week uh, 14 or 15, whatever that was. So I, I chalked that up to a lot of it being the injury. When you take a look at all the things that go into what should be a, a, a fantastic back, it would seem like Saquon has all of those mm-hmm. abilities. Mm-hmm. It's just that he is not playing in as good a situation as an Alvin Kamara or a Zeke Elliott or even a Christian McCaffrey. So yeah. that's why I would put him... Probably fourth on that list, but I, he's mm-hmm. certainly in the top four. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Your thoughts on and your listing for the top five running backs in the National Football League going into 2020. And Gordon, one of the things that really surprised me about Derrick Henry and his his romp into the postseason was, you know what? He has pretty good hands. He did a decent job catching the ball, too. And I wonder if this season Tennessee is going to try to diversify him a little bit more and throw him some passes. Obviously, you don't want to stop what what, what works with him just barreling through offenses on the defensive lines. But I would think, Gordon, with everybody looking and seeing the success that he had last season, I mean, they've had a whole year or maybe more for adjustments and I think they're going to see a lot more nine, ten in certain situations, and maybe eleven man fronts uh, in the box to make sure that they don't run. So he may have to adjust and get some more um, little, little short gains, or, or you know, maybe line him up in the slot. Yeah, I mean, he, he was uh, the way he closed out the year. Now, not necessarily, obviously, the Kansas City game because Kansas City made sure that they they were not going to allow him to beat them and mm-hmm. uh, that they were able to take him away but the obviously the Baltimore game the um the Patriot game he just you know it was just like a hot knife through butter and he even he even wrapped up the regular season i think it was what was it it was the Texans right yeah let me tell you the Texans he had 200 yards against them 
mm-hmm. the final week of the regular season. So, yeah, he really closed out the year with big numbers. I, I'm kind of curious of whether or not – it almost feels like the expectations for him coming into this year are going to be through the roof. And I, I kind of wonder – you know, maybe in the short term, right? Like the Patriots wanted to be able to take him away, but just maybe didn't have the personnel to do it. The mm-hmm. Ravens game, they fell behind by so much that he was able to, you know, rip off chunks of yards as well. Uh, I'm just kind of curious to see now with a full year, you know, whenever we do get started, whether or not teams are going to focus on him and how he responds to that. Yeah, that is going to be the, and, and like we said, it, it's about adjustments in the National Football League and, and will they, what will they take away? And then, on the other side of this chess match, what does Tennessee now do to compensate for the fact that they may not have him in key situations because of what defenses are doing? How do they continue to move the ball down the field? Yeah, I'm just looking at his game log. This is his game mm-hmm. log from last year, Larry. Uh, so that would be week 11 against Kansas City. 23 touches, uh, 23 carries, 188 yards against Jacksonville, 159 Indianapolis 149. Oakland, he only had 103, but they won that game uh, 42-21, so they didn't need him that much. And then against Houston in the final week of the regular season, I guess it was, they had uh, he had 86 yards. Following week, 211. Uh, then against the, uh, the Patriots, 182. The Ravens 195, and then against Kansas City at 69 yards. So, um, mm. yeah, it was, it was not able to get on track in that Kansas City game. But, uh, yeah, talk about a big second half of the year. First half of the year, he only had one game where he had over 100 yards rushing. Yeah. Yep. He just, well, and then they were going through the different situations at quarterback, correct? So do you think that was one of the reasons why it, it just opened up for him? Yeah, it seemed like it took them a little, yeah, that was when they had Mariota as quarterback. And it, it, I guess it was, yeah, right around when they made the switch to, Han, to, to uh, Tannehill. I wonder what week that would have been. I have to go back and look at it to see which one it would have been. The other question I have, uh, Gordon, which is going to be interesting, is Christian McCaffrey. Uh, what he's been able to do, I mean, you look at his stats from last year, what, he was fourth in attempts, third in yards, third in touchdowns with 15. Uh, you talk about as versatile as a running back can be with, with catching the ball out of the backfield and running the ball. Uh, how does his role change now with, with Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina as opposed to Cam Newton and the different quarterbacks they had last year? Because, you know, at least with Cam, you, the reason they brought him in there with Cam was so that Cam wouldn't feel the need to run so often. You got Teddy Bridgewater, who's not the type of runner that Cam Newton is. There's no question. I mean, he can move around the pocket. He can buy himself some time, but he's not the threat consistently to run the ball the way Cam Newton could. No, he's going to inflict the punishment that Cam Newton could because Cam Newton's as big as a linebacker. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if this means more touches for Christian McCaffrey or, uh, less touches in different ways. Well, look, he's a very versatile back, right? He catches a ton of balls out of the backfield, as you said. Uh, so I, I think that they're still going to try to, to use him as much as possible. And I'm ha- I, look, I'm happy that he got the contract that he did. Mm-hmm. He had an amazing year last year. He had an amazing year the year before. Uh, I would just say as someone building a team, you, you take a look at what NFL teams actually value and the running back position is not really one of them. Nope. Take a look nope. at the Chiefs last year. Take a look at the last few Super Bowl champion teams mm-hmm. and the teams that make deep runs into the playoffs every single year when you're working with a salary cap. It, there, there are great backs that are taken at the top of the draft, but they're not generally the guys who uh, are, are all that much different than guys who are taking later rounds, undrafted guys. And it just seems like it's, when it, it's all said and done, 
that it's going to be uh, an unuseful use of your resources if you're the Carolina Panthers spending all that money on a back who's sensational, right? We're all Mm -hmm. saying he could be the best back in football right now, but the position, the wear and tear, I think it's going to be a mistake down the road. And the crazy thing is, which does, it's weird because it helps them in one sense, but it hurts them in the other, Gordon. And you look at teams that are very successful, you know, they have multiple, they have multiple backs. So you have, you know, you might have your, your, there's no longer a bell cow, as Rex Ryan used to always say. It was the guy, Derek Henry was closest bell cow last year. All right. In the National Football League. Normally you got one, you got two, maybe three backs that you rotate. So because you don't want to burn your running backs out. All right. And you have different guys who, you know, one guy may be better to run. One, one guy's a little more speed. One guy maybe runs between the tackles. Another guy runs outside. So because of that, your diversification, uh, Gordon, it makes it that you can't afford to pay one running back a whole lot of money because you're splitting the carries and it's not worth it. That's why, in a lot of cases, the running back has been devalued. Yeah. Uh, how long is, is McCaffrey's contract for? Is it is it five years? Is it six years? What was it? I have to. I think it's five, Gordon, but I'm, I'll check for you real Because quick. you go back five years ago, you know, you take a look. Three years ago, the leading rusher in the NFL was Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, five years ago, it was DeMarco Murray. Yeah. <laughs> DeMarco, I mean, that feels like it was a hundred years ago, DeMarco Murray. You know what I mean? Like. Wow. It's been a, Four year you know, contract, it, Gordon. It, it, it's a, it's, what's that? Four years. Four years. All mm-hmm. right. So four years ago, it was, all right, it was Ezekiel Elliott, his rookie year. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you right now, in four years, it's probably not going to be Ezekiel Elliott. Nope. It probably won't be. And you know what? It probably won't be Christian McCaffrey either. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, think about how short shelf lives are at that position, right? Mm-hmm. 2010, it was Arian Foster. Yeah. Maurice Jones Drew, Adrian Peterson, who has been a, an absolute freak, but still. He has. He has. You know, LaShawn McCoy, DeMarco Murray, Adrian yeah. Peterson, Ezekiel Elliott twice, Kareem Hunt, Derek Henry last year. I mean, you, and you're talking some some really good look. Shady McCoy is outstanding running back. You you oh, look at fantastic what he's I mean, in his time, right? Absolutely. absolutely. You but, look at what he's been able to do, what he did in Philly, what he's even 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 up in Buffalo for for a quick moment. Even though you know he's not the he he's Lashawn McCoy. He's not shady. He was shady in right. Philly. He's Lashawn McCoy now. But you look at and that's because of you know the usage and in some cases they didn't have a lot of of two back or three back rotations and so you know you pay this guy you run him down and then Gordon you're ready to move on to somebody else. Yeah, it's not the it's not the way it was years and years ago and and you can it makes sense right like when you have limited resources you'd have to say that that position in terms of injury in terms of wear and tear. It's just not a valuable use of your resources to sink it into that position, especially when, for you know, look, Zeke was taken with what the fourth pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara was a third round pick. Yeah, you know, Kareem yeah. Hunt when he was leading the re- league in rushing, I think he was a third round pick. So you yep. can find backs, especially when you're not reliant on one guy, you know, thirty times a game. So McCaffrey's deal, Gordon, 12, $21.5 million to sign, $30 million fully guaranteed at the signing, and more than $38 million fully guaranteed by next March. And he'll still be in his 20s when the deal expires. So, um, he, yeah, but there's a lot he, of guys who are in their 20s who are washed up in their 20s. I mean, done. Todd Gurley is what, 26? I know. And, and you, and Gordon, last year, would we not have said, would we not have put him in our top five? Probably. Absolutely. Yeah. No question. And, I mean, and he was a back-to-back All-Pro, not a exactly. Pro Bowler. 
He no. was an all-pro back-to-back years. All-pro, that means something. If you're the best at your position, that means something. And now he's a shell Looking of his for, former self. We'll see if he does anything with Atlanta. And, and what's so scary about him was, you know, you wonder just his, his inability to to be on the field during that Super Bowl run kills mm-hmm. him, Gordon. It kills yeah. him. It kills him. Yeah. And look, injury is is a major is a yes, major is. factor at that position. So for Saquon, who it seems like it was a fluky thing last year, and he is, as you said, I mean, he is built like you would want a guy to be built like, right? Mm-hmm. Full blown love was what Dave Gettle when he saw him. <laughs> uh, so I get it. But if you can't stay on the field, and that's still up in the air, right? He's played two yeah. years. One of them, he missed a significant amount of time. And the only reason why it was as as little time as it was was because he he rushed back to get back, and that's and, and that's admirable. But mm-hmm. he was not the same player for a good probably month, six weeks, while he was still playing. So it's a it was a questionable decision at the time. Even as great as Saquon is, everybody knew he was going to be a great back. But it's whether or not you're going to because now, as we said last night. The, the question of, of paying Saquon is already done, right? You've drafted him with the second pick. Mm-hmm. So now it's just quibbling over money. But you are going, it's not a situation where they're not going to pay him unless right. he were to get some serious injury that he's not going to be the same. But when it's time for him to get paid, he will get paid and he will be almost certainly the highest paid back in the NFL. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's ESPN New York Tonight on 98.7 ESPN. Talking a little football with you. 1-800-919-3776. Getting your top five running backs in the National Football League. Gordon, uh, my, my favorite nephew, Jay Blaze NYC tweets at us. Uncle L, Uncle L, run CMC is number one, two, super freak Zeke, three is AK-41, four, the chief, and five, Saquon can't pay $17 million a year or Josh Jacobs. And just to fill in, obviously, the chief would be Dalvin Cook to him. So that's his five. Uh, and he's got Saquon and, and Josh Jacobs tied. But uh, you can't pay $17 million a year for him, Gordon. But I think you almost have to pay $17 million a year for him if you want to well, keep him. Unfortunately, when you are going to uh, draft somebody with the second pick overall in the draft – you are basically saying that this is one of the foundational pieces of your team, mm-hmm. and you're not going to allow one of the foundational pieces of your team. Now, I would agree it's silly to be- make one of the foundational pieces of your team a position that is very um, here today, gone tomorrow. But that's the decision that the Giants decided to make with Saquon Barkley, and there's no question that he is a great back. Yep. But whether or not that position... I mean, the part of the Christian McCaffrey deal was the surprise of people that someone decided to finally pay a running back yeah, that kind true. of money. Yep. And he's, and, and it's not because McCaffrey's not fantastic. He is fantastic. He's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But it's just that position is very, uh, a lot of wear and tear, a lot of injuries. And look, Le'Veon Bell, just yeah. a few years ago, he was one of the, if we would have been having this conversation, he mm-hmm. would have been in the mix for sure. Yes. 
No question. Now he's 28. He's a little older. He's certainly very expensive. He's playing behind a terrible offensive line. And he's playing for an offense that's not very good. And uh, he has the added thing thrown in there that the, the, the coach doesn't really seem to know how to use him. So... Not a lot going well there. <laughs> no, it sure isn't. Talk about not getting value for your money. You're not getting value for your money right there. You just aren't. Yeah, to Mark, think that to mm-hmm. think that the Jets went into that offseason with a hundred million dollars to spend and all these holes everywhere that yeah. just decided to spend a chunk of it on the running back, even as great as Lev Bell is. Mm-hmm. Uh, another mistake there. Yeah, it looks that way. It really does. Mark is in Newark. Hey, Mark, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Bad leadoff. OMG, how about that? What's up, Kelly? What's up, Mark? Oh, not much, man. Uh, my head didn't shrink yet, but, but it doesn't hurt, so I gotta wait for it to shrink. Okay. But, um, That's never that. good. You never want your head to, you never want to be waiting for your head to shrink, Mark. <laughs> it looks like a basketball. Um, um, where I'm at, um, the question, I, I was on this topic absolutely interesting. And before I say my point, I want to, I'm going to put this point out there for you and all the other ESPN sports fanatics like myself. Last year, watching Derrick Henry, uh, talk about old school. I think that the performance that he had, if you didn't think of Earl Campbell and if you didn't think of, of the boss and he didn't think of, I mean, he was, he was the playoffs, period. Every time he touched the ball, you could, it was like those days when the running back just took the wheel out of the defense. They're like, oh my God, I got to tackle this guy against every handoff. You didn't feel like that? Yeah. And, and you know what was so, so interesting about that, Mark, is as Gordon mentioned, this is not, Teams don't think of the running back the way that Tennessee thought of the running back with Derrick Henry last year. And usually you have two or three guys where you spread the wealth around and they did not. And he just, and the thing that you really respected about him and the Tennessee offensive line, because you got to give them credit too, is people people knew they were going to run and still couldn't stop him and still (laughs) couldn't stop him. You knew. You knew. (laughs) <laughs> you knew, and it was just like it was just a thing of beauty. It was just it was jaw jaw dropping to watch him run that football. It really was. Um, the point that I'm making off of that is it's really hard. I like the point you made about that, um, and and you too, Gordon, because yours makes financial sense, I guess, because people put labels on people, uh, devaluing, devaluing and those sort of things, chase to the franchise, franchise quarterback, everybody's of this and everybody's of that. But I, I'm kind of less with all that. Uh, the teams, if, if, if the Jets are going to run the football, and Les Bell is not a, a, a Derrick Henry, that's not his style. So, so it, the, the stretch running plays, they don't work that good for him because he doesn't take that initial speed step to the right or to the left. That's not his game. So, But he's an effective running back, but he more like finds the hole, so he just got to have straight-out blocking assignments with that. That's the way he did it in Pittsburgh. That's the way he'll, he'll need to do it there because that's the style that he runs. So point being, point being is this. If, if, if my team, I'll keep it on the Jets, if my team – whether it's a combination of Lesbell and Bilal, or if we get a, another guy to, to come in there too, I'm good with their each of their individual styles. You know, uh, uh, 
in and out, you know, giving each other blows, show the defense something different, that kind of thing. But my goal is that I want a thousand yards out of production out of my running game hmm. because it's turned time and time again. I keep hearing quarterback driven league. They get these guys, even the ones that are about to come in, and they're not ready. They come in there and they're all hype. And then when they find out that the NFL guys are a lot better than the college guys they played against, and they don't know how to read defenses and those things, it takes a while. Meanwhile, you're saying, go throw the ball all over the place. So for me, I need a thousand yards production out of my running game. And then that keeps my quarterback safe and gives him time to learn how to play quarterback in that offense. And case in point, when Derrick Henry, what he did, and, and, and bringing the uh, Kill uh, over there, he didn't look like Kill this year. He didn't mm-hmm. have to. Now, now he looks like he's a tiny pretty good because he got somebody <laughs> that, can, that can, can run the ball like that. So then yeah. one or two play action passes, and then Titans are in the playoffs. So, you know, the, the whole quarterback driven league trash happy thing that Adam Gage does, he needs to go back to, to running the football like he did when he had a uh a jai. What what when he had a jai, that was almost it was almost begrudgingly that he eventually turned to a to Jay Ajai, because Jay Ajai wasn't even the starter to start the year, and it wasn't until Ajai finally got a chance and was ripping off two hundred yard games. That's when they got on that roll. They were one and three, one and four to start that year, and then Ajay got in there eventually and got his opportunity. Uh, I would just say this about exactly. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry was fantastic last year. He was huge in the playoffs, everything else. And no one would know that better than the Tennessee Titans. And yet mm. the Tennessee Titans are not willing to just give Derrick Henry a long-term contract extension. They got him to sign the the, the franchise tag for, for one year. So... Even they, who know exactly his value to the team and, and his performance last year, now they say they're trying to work on a long-term contract. Maybe they will eventually. But it's not like even watching him up close last year firsthand, they were willing to say, you know what, this is our offense and this guy is vital. They're still only signing him to a, basically a one-year deal for $10 bucks. Yeah, But you know what, Gordon, and, and, and I agree with you on that, Gordon. And that last fine is good if they want to figure out you know, the, the 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 least amount of money that they can give their best running back to, that's on them, okay? That, that's either a mistake they're going to live with or not. But but in, uh, conversely to that point, again, it, it, if I have a Derrick Henry, I, I, I want him to run like he did in the playoffs, right? But I don't want him to – I don't want to beat him all down during the season without having other running backs. But, but if my team is committing to the run first – and that old, that old New England Patriots dinky dinky don't throw it forty five times. Uh, that 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 ain't that. That's not what's the word. That's not a. That's not sexy, man. <laughs> that's not sexy. No, it's no not. More. We like to get the ball down the field. Thanks for the call, Mark. Good talking to you. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, we want to get the ball down the field. And the other thing too, Gordon, and, and you know, Mark Mark is correct in the sense of, you know, Derrick Henry is a guy that likes to run between the tackles, Gordon. You have a short shelf life <laughs> running yep. between the tackles in the National Football League. And so, listen, Tennessee's like, okay, yeah, you did a great job. Do it again. 
<laughs> do it right. again, and then we'll talk. If you if you can run between the tackles and be as as successful as you were, which is once again going to depend on the on the offensive line, Gordon. Which there's been there's a couple of adjustments on that line, and that's the other thing too. The chemistry between the running back and the offensive line, everything everything just flowed when Tannehill got in there, Gordon. It was it was like it was like a different offense for Tennessee. Absolutely. I mean, he was he was efficient, and you know he always had that potential. Mm-hmm. But it just, you know, between injury and the inconsistency of their own offense, they didn't have a very good offensive line in Miami. They've not, I mean, you just talk, it's like the Jets and Giants and all bad teams that just don't have an offensive line. He didn't have an offensive line there, then his own injuries. So he never really was able, now was I, did I expect him to be as efficient as he was? No, I didn't, I never expected that. Mm-hmm. But it was not really that big a surprise that he was able to overtake uh, Marcus Mariota because he did have some potential there, and and certainly the uh, the impact of Derrick Henry certainly made things a lot easier last year. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. If you have a small business trying to get the word out that you're still serving the community, let us know. We've had over 350 local businesses reach out, and we're still sharing their message, you know, at 987ESPN.gmail.com. Well, Leone Italian Heroes in Bensonhurst sent us an email. It's a classic deli for expertly named items like the big-hitting sandwich Joe DiMaggio. Or check out the Rocky Marciano for a knockout. Available for takeout and delivery, so call 718-232-1411 or check out Leone Italian Heroes on your favorite delivery app. Back to the phones. James is on Long Island. Hey, James, you're next on 98.7. Hey, guys, I just wanted to give you my take on uh, the top five. So first, I think, number one, I think it's got to be McCaffrey. I think he'll have another good season this year, and I think especially with the new head coach and uh, with Teddy Bridgewater, that without Cam now, I think, uh, who ran the ball a lot last season. I think McCaffrey's due for a big season again. And then number two, I got to say, is Elliott, three Henry, four Jacobs, and five Carson. Chris Carson. I think people are overlooking how uh, how good he was last season, and I think uh, he's bound for a good season this season. Well, me. he certainly had a good year last year. He did. He's been a little banged up. Not uh, you know, not the most uh, durable guy. But, uh, yeah, look, if, he, if he's not in the first five, he would certainly be a candidate for that second five. Yeah, I think just um, even with if he could stay on the field a little bit longer, I think he could definitely. But he's in my top five, definitely. But I think if he um, could stay on the field a little bit longer, I think he can definitely lock up a top five spot. James, is Saquon six? Yeah, I think he's right outside of it. But I just think... Um, I think the same thing with him. I just think without the Giants have a terrible offensive line last season, and he still played uh, well. But I think um, even with an, with and hopefully the Giants address offensive line this year, that'll make Barkley better. But I just think without a, a good offensive line for the Giants, I think that slows down Barkley's progression. All right, James. Thanks for checking in. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Richard is in Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on ninety eight seven. Larry, don't overlook the fact that when Jordan came into the league, he went against the Celtics. 
So he got thrown right in the fire, and then after that he went against the Pistons. So that definitely – I mean, who's to say in the West what would have happened with the Lakers? Mm -hmm. But still, he got thrown in the fire, so he knew what competition was right off the bat. All right, Larry, I was thinking, Bernard King, Bob McAdoo, and Carmelo Anthony, when they came here, to me they all performed at the same level. I wish I could have had them together. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, that's another thing. But they gave you what they were before yes. they came, and mm-hmm. that's what the kind of players they were. Now, the biggest difference with Bernard were those two rounds in 84 in the yes. playoffs. Yes. And I don't even think people embellish enough. What I think his better – the better round was when, when they lost to the Celtics. Look at mm-hmm. this, Larry. You've never seen this ever in basketball. Where Bernard King took four Hall of Famers – to Game 7. And I'm talking about Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson, Kevin mm-hmm. McGale, and Larry Bird. Yep. And who did Bernard have? He had Rory Sparrow, yes. east to west, Rory, Rory Sparrow, that's what yes. we used to call him. Mm-hmm. He never went north and south, east to that's west. Right. Yep. Trent Tucker, yep. Chuck Robinson, mm-hmm. you'll never see that. Ernie Grunfeld? Ernie was up, but Ernie was decent then too. He was a yeah, third he was, guy. He wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah he, he wasn't bad. bad. They, mm-hmm. they weren't depending on. These were the starters, though. Truck Robinson, yeah, I know. Trent I know. Tucker, and those guys. Sparrow. That was your star. I mean, that, these are the guys. I mean, he did have Cartwright, who was yes. still decent then. Yes, but when you consider what he did, I put it second to what Rick Barry did in '75 when he carried the Golden State Warriors. But that was unbelievable. Now, Larry, one thing I want to make a point about Dennis Johnson. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy, in my opinion. I'll put him below West, I'll put him below Oscar, I'll put him below Clyde, and I'll put him below Magic. I'll put him above everyone else. I'll put him above Cousy, I'll put him against uh, Jay Kidd, I'll put him, against, put him above Stockton and uh, Nash. Any of the guards now, Dennis Johnson was the best two-way player the NBA had for 15 years that he was in the league. That guy was unbelievable. And remember this about Dennis Johnson, Larry. All these guards that you've seen that come through the NBA, every guard, he is the only one, the only one that was the main focal point on two different championship teams, Seattle and Boston. Boston. I mean, he had great help with Seattle. He had Shelton and he had Sigma and he had Mm -hmm. Gus. So he had, and I can't say he didn't have help with the Celtics. He had all those. Okay. He was the main man though, wasn't he? The he main was the main man, man and, and here's the thing that you respected about him, Richard, was that defensively, which is why you can win a two-way game, right. he was fabulous Correct. defensively and, could, he could and shut had, that, a, and shut had down an anybody, and had an excellent medium-range jumper. Oh, he was, was as close to Clyde as there was. You know, people talk about Joe Dumas. Dumas was good, too, but a little smaller and mm-hmm. not as tough defensively. Defensively, right. and this right. guy Johnson, he wouldn't back down against anybody. He was so old school. Uh, he and you know what, Larry, you never hear his name mentioned. No, you don't. You don't. I don't he, understand he that because he gets lost with the other Hall of Famers on that club, Richard. That, yeah, that's but why not you don't just hear that. Him. But you know, beat the people in play, play. People are forgetting about defense. In the old days, defense was forty percent of the game. Offense right. was sixty percent. Mm-hmm. You know, especially but, uh, in the that, postseason. Well, imagine, oh, he was tough, man. He, he didn't was. back down against anybody. Nobody. No question. Larry, no always question a pleasure. Thank you. Same here, Thank Richard. You, Thanks. Right. Thanks for checking in. Yeah, no question. He was a he was a fabulous two way player. He was a guy who was tough, physical, loved to defend the the, the best shooting guard on on the backcourt, and he was the he was 
Gordon, in, in every team that's a championship team, there's always a guy who doesn't get the, the, it's a glue guy who doesn't get the publicity that the stars and the other guys get. But it would not be the same type of team. They would not be able to play the same type of game defensively or offensively if that glue guy wasn't there. Am I saying that Boston wouldn't have won games? No, they would still would have won games. But they were able to do some things defensively and offensively because of what you had with Dennis Johnson that if he wasn't there, you couldn't do. So Gordon, it's, it's, that's why when we, when we look at teams and how great teams are, and we analyze it. Yeah, a lot of it is talent. There's no question. And a lot of it is coaching. Absolutely. But Gordon, there's this thing about chemistry and guys understanding what role they have on the team. That's the difference between the championship team and the regular team. How did the Celtics, I'm just looking at Dennis Johnson because, you know, I kind of remember that was the kind of first when I was getting into basketball. Uh, how did the Celtics get him for as little as they did? They got him in 83. From the Suns, the Suns gave up, traded by the Suns with a first-round pick, which was the 21st pick, and an 83 third-round pick to the Celtics for Rick Roby. Yes, and uh, a second-round pick, Santa Rick and Roby. a second, another second, so two second-round picks, and Dennis Johnson for a first-round pick and a third-round pick. How about that? You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. 